Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bacon Wire. It's our first pod of July. Um, I have decided to fire Spartan Dog 97. Um, he's just too problematic for our, our new culture. Um, it's, it's just a bad look. No, I'm kidding. Um, Spartan Dog is just taking a little time off. Um, you know, we all need our breaks. So he'll be back. He'll be back probably closer to football season, but I was still jonesing for some podcasting and I brought along our good friend Carter Landis to, uh, to, to jump on board and help me out. And uh, Carter, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Remember SD 97. <laughs> Remember Spartan dog 97. <laughs> I, if Remember I had Bacon. any software, I'd make like a series of his best tweets <laughs> or like, no screenshot the Whitmer one. That's the one. Yeah. Screenshot the Whitmer one. <laughs> that <laughs> is his. That? Uh... That's a great idea. Um, so we'll just get right into it. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of hashtag movie wire, but we'll wait for that. We're going to get into the MSU stuff. Um, football is, is dangerously close, Carter. Um, oh, boy. I mean, well, September 4th. Yeah, we wait. Do we play Friday night? Yeah, we play Friday night. So the third? Yes. Yeah, okay. I believe it's September 3rd. We'll go to Northwestern. I'm going to a bachelor party that whole weekend, so I don't know if I get to watch. Um, but, yeah, we, we start – the, the new, I think, in my opinion, year one of the Mel Tucker era with uh, Northwestern. And I said it a couple of weeks ago or maybe months ago that I Northwestern tends to have either a really crappy year or a, a decent like 9-3, year where they sneak in the Big Ten title game and give Ohio State a, a fit. Um, I would hope this is trending on that they're going to be bad, but – I mean, 17, they were, they were, they gave MSU fits, obviously in that what triple overtime loss, but like 19, it was really not a problem, you know, in 20, you know, Mel Tucker beat them, you know, his only wins were against top 15 teams. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that Northwestern game? Just, just to kind of get us our toes dipped into football. Um, I kind of, I tend to agree with you on the, on the uh, the notion that Northwestern always is kind of they're either really good, they're they're beating a bunch of teams, they're going like ten and two or whatever, and they're getting to the Big Ten title game, or they're like a six and six team, or they're even worse than that. Like twenty nineteen, that team was really bad, um, and they just all of a sudden turned it around last year. You know they were playing really well, mm -hmm. um, but they came into East Lansing and. And Mel Tucker just had a plan for them. You know, they got off to that really hot start last year. And, of course, Northwestern being the team that they are last year, they, they worked their way back. They took the lead, but Michigan mm -hmm. State ended up winning. I think that was probably the best game they played that year. Um, the Michigan game was good, but I think that it was kind of back and forth. But Northwestern was consistently better. This right. year, I don't think they're that good of a team, and I think that – Going there is still going to be tough, though, because going to Northwestern at Ryan Field, uh, and it's going to be a night game, that's going to be tough. Right. Um, hmm. I know that, yeah, historically, I guess recent history, they've definitely given us fits, uh, 2017 and 2018. I remember the 2018 game. That was that, that was, was bad. I was at that one. That, that was, was the day I got married that day. I was watching it. It, oh, was, nice. it was like 35 to 19 or something. It was a weird score. I was yeah, I was at that one. I don't necessarily remember the score, but they just could not get stops and they could not score. They could just not move the ball. That was late era D'Antonio. That was just terrible. Um, 
I think if we're basing things off of last year, Northwestern's probably going to be a decent favorite against Michigan State, but I feel like it's a game that Michigan State can win. Right. Um, it's really hard to uh, project Michigan State because what we saw last year was was not the greatest example of what they're supposed to be going forward because it really wasn't the team Mel Tucker wanted to have. He just kind of inherited uh, that D'Antonio team out of the blue and and he did what he could with it, but there wasn't a whole lot of talent for him to work with. Uh, so, yeah. it, it, but it's hard to tell what they're going to be this year, you know, like, right. I mean, you know, I, I bet like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be competing for the big 10 or anything like that, but I definitely think they're going to be what's up. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Um, I think they can be a team that's like seven, eight wins. Uh, that would be a huge jump as well, but I mean, Tucker's got a couple of his guys that he wants in there. You know, wait till he gets his guys, as as the the Harbaugh people always said. Uh, but he got a couple transfers. He's got a couple guys that are ready to play right away. There's a lot of good talent, and he's got some of that D'Antonio talent that's going to play well too. So right. while it's hard to project Michigan State, it's also easy to say there's a lot of there's a it's going to be a different looking team, I think, and it's going to be a more normal looking season. People will be back in crowds and everything. Um, and I think, honestly, if I'm going to give a prediction, I think they can win that game, and I think that they will. Right. I mean, I'm looking at a, a odd site I use for a, a pick on my run on a message board, and North one book has seven and a half Northwestern's favored by. Everyone else has six. So the line's kind of gone down a little bit. I would – I mean, like you said, we, we have no clue what the hell to expect as MSU fans. And I know – I'm sure when practices open, Tucker's going to let people in and, you know, the media in, because I know that's one big thing that D'Antonio never did. He never really liked to let the media in unless he absolutely had to. So, you know, like once like couch and all those guys and, you know, every, anyone who can get in, like, you know, gets a good look at him, then we can start to assess. But I, I laid a bet on the Barstool sports book that, their win total for the year was over four and a half. I'm because I think that I think they can squeak out five wins. And I think six and six or seven and five is doable more than doable. I think that, I think that that four win, like I know that last year is probably what everybody's going to base things off of, Mm -hmm. but I think that four win total, I saw those, like when those came out, I thought that was kind of disrespectful. I mean, you know, just give me the, you know, give me the disrespect, the hashtag disrespect, because that's what we've always kind of dealt with as Michigan State football fans. But yeah. but I think that – I mean, you look at the schedule, I know that there's not a lot of tough teams on there. Like, of course, like they end the year with Ohio State, Penn State, which is obviously – I think I don't think they're going to win either of those games. But the ske- but you look at the schedule, and it's there's a lot of winnable games out there. I know they go to Nebraska, which is – Nebraska hasn't been good, but it's not easy to win there. No, um, Northwestern, they play Maryland and Rutgers again this year. Um, I'm hoping we can get Rutgers back. Oh. I do think that program is kind of uh, on the come up a little bit. I mean, Shiano's back. He's recruiting at a high level. Um, so I think that I think that they'll be a respectable Big Ten team. But there's right. definitely a couple winnable games on there. I think they can beat Michigan this year. I just think spirits yeah. are really low in Mich- in, uh, in Ann Arbor. And they're coming to uh, East Lansing where it's well, tough to win sometimes. Well, they all – I mean, you know, last year after – uh, I, I they just they flip flop so much like you know before mm-hmm. I mean I was you know we had a meta wooden piece on and mm-hmm. he was saying we were all saying blowout you know we were all saying yep. he's gonna kill him 
that's what everyone that's like the rational thought is like this team based on how good they looked against minnesota you were like yeah. okay because minnesota won 11 games the year before so you were just like oh wow this might be we all kind of got bamboozled like this might be a different harbon nope he uh he had a big mud pile over the field and I'm, I'm gonna throw i think you should leave references in as much as i can and can uh, as we want. <laughs> he uh he ate the receipt and yeah now you know and i'll never forget that game but like I, I i i say this and it pisses off michigan fans like the trolls of michigan twitter like michigan cannot beat good michigan state teams Michigan State can beat good Michigan teams, and they can beat bad ones. They have. You know, 2014, they were complete ass. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, look at the schedule. I don't want to really – I think – okay, if I'm realistic, I think Northwestern's an L right now. Um, Youngstown State, if it's not a win, we're in trouble. I think there's um, going to be concern. Yeah. Uh, Miami, I'm going to count as a loss because um, – They're very good. And unless D.R. King comes out against Alabama and plays like ass, because I think that's their opening weekend game. I think they play Alabama. Um, Nebraska, I'm going it with a win. I don't trust Scott Frost. I No, they're, they're, there's not a lot of talent on that team. He's going to get fired. Um, <laughs> Western Kentucky homecoming better be a win. <sighs> Rutgers, I'm going to say dub. I'm going to say the revenge. Indiana, I'm not comfortable with calling a win. Um, I'm not either. I think, think Penix is going to rebound. Michigan, I'm saying a win until they me prove too. it for me. Mm-hmm. Like they they need to be eight and zero or seven and zero or six and one entering that game for me to be scared. Purdue, I don't know how Purdue's supposed to look. Do you think that's a loss? No, Purdue's not good. We should okay. win that. Is that a, is that at MSU? Is that, no, at, that uh, it's at Purdue? But I mean, God, when's the last time they lost to Purdue? It was definitely John L. Smith era, probably because Antonio never lost to them. I remember, yeah, I remember 2015. That was they nearly lost. That was bad. He never, yeah, he never lost to them. Um, yeah. And then uh, Maryland, I think that's a win. I know they have some decent talent, but Maryland seemed to start hot and then fade off. But then, yeah, then we're if they squeak out a win against Ohio State or Penn State, then I think it's a very satisfying conclusion to the year, and more than likely results in a bowl game. But if they can just get to six and four before the final two weeks. I think 90% of the MSU fan base is going to be very happy because you always have those 10% who inflate their expectations and go, oh, Tucker's really screwing up. This is year two. They're going to do the whole D'Antonio won uh, nine games his second year. It's like, yeah, sure. But, you know, let's, 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 let's filter or even it out here a little bit. Yeah, not every circumstance is the same. I mean, (laughs) Tucker's got all these, like, the the thing that I, the thing that I always say about, like, the difference between D'Antonio's last couple years and what Mel's planning to do for the program is, you see, like, the difference in who's, like, the transfer portal with MSU, you see who's uh, coming in and who's going out, where they're going and where they're coming. They're going to Miami of Ohio, Ball State, Akron, northern iowa like south alabama like they're going to all these lower level schools going to max schools group five schools and we're getting guys from tennessee florida um we, yeah we got a guy from alabama ronald williams yeah, williams yeah. um we're getting guys who didn't get shots to play 
at bigger schools because of whatever reason, you know, the, 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 the bigger schools always take a bunch of guys uh, who are super talented, you know, those, those high five stars like Alabama will always take those types of guys. The SEC always, always gets the higher level recruits and they're coming here now and they're playing the big 10 where it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe they'll have more of an opportunity at Michigan state, especially considering that the talent level at MSU is still not super high. Mm. Um, some of the, there's a couple of D'Antonio guys who I think are, are, are pretty good. Like he found a couple of gems. I think Mike Fletcher was a good one. Angelo gross is another one. So yeah, but yeah, that's the difference is like people are, are, are saying Mel, like they're, they're harping on Mel's year one. And I think that's, that's, that's obviously fair. They only won two games, but you have to look at like what the, the bigger picture is and what they're planning on doing going forward. Like he's saying like, Oh, this team that I have right now is, is, not a team I can win with. So I'm going to send these guys out and I'm going to bring in guys who fit what I want to do better. Like our offensive, like the offensive line was all like smaller guys who weren't going to be able to hold it down in the trenches or anything. And now um, we're hearing reports that the guys that they do have are, are much bigger. They're, they're, they put on a bunch of weight, and a bunch of muscle, and they're going to be uh, much better. I think, I, I think they are. I think the offensive line is going to be one of the more improved groups for a team that was not very good last year. Right. They just – the one thing I noticed about all the recruits Tucker was getting through the transfer portal and through traditional recruiting was size. Like, he wants height and uh, and length, and si- he just wants – he wants big boys, but he also wants speed, but, but height has to be a factor. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll just – I'll do respect to Brandon Sowards. I don't think Mel Tucker's going out there and getting a guy like Brandon Sowards anymore, you know. Like he, he had his, uh, he had his moments sometimes at MSU and, you know, we kind of dogged on him, but like, you know, that's the kind of recruit that we're not going to really see anymore unless it's a walk on or someone who earned a spot, you know, in a, in a way like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brandon Sowers, good Lord. He's <laughs> coming back for his eighth year. It's, it's insane. You're 17. <laughs> 17. LeBron, the LeBron captions of Brandon Sowers on Instagram. Oh my god, that'd be funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think camp starts what early August, or does it start mm-hmm. at the end of the month? Yep. Yeah, so it starts early August. We'll, uh, I'm, I want to be on at least once a week. You know, whoever comes on, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. And I have a free LSJ subscription that I haven't used, so maybe I should try to <laughs> try to use it and a free athletic one. So, um, you know. I just what's okay before we switch over to we'll talk basketball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one big thing you want to see out of this team this season? Like, you know, say just forget that we don't know much. Like what what is one thing that you want to see more than anything? And you know, obviously we could say consistency, but like maybe it's a player or something. Like, you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah, like like what do we want to see that like works? Right. Um I'm hoping it's like the offensive line and we have a more improved run game. And the guy in charge of that, Chris Kaplovich, um, I think we're all big fans of him with how he coaches, how he recruits. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to be an area that improves. And I think that the reason for that is because history tells us that wherever Kaplovich has been, whether it's Georgia, whether it's Colorado, um, once he's in there and he gets his hands on players, uh, they improve greatly. Like he took Georgia, you know, Georgia had, those great running backs, that good run game with, with Michelle and Chubb and those talented guys. Um, and then he took Colorado's running game from being 
one of the worst in college football to like decently average. So I think that, you know, Michigan State's was obviously not very good either last year because they didn't have a running back score touchdown. I believe I know Connor Haywood scored some, but he's not really a traditional running back. And I don't think he, I don't think he took handoffs into the end zone. I think he, you know, he was, he's playing like H back or whatever it is. He's he's catching those out of the backfield. Yeah. They didn't No, No, you're correct. No running back did not score a touchdown last year. In the, right, the only rushing touchdown they had was Tyler Hunt, the backup tight end, who seems like he's going to be the starting tight end this year. So that's yeah, and that's and that's something else. But um, I mean, I think that we have a there's a pretty good uh, group of guys on the offensive line. I think we'll see guys like AJR Curry, who um, some have seen as an NFL guy. Uh, Jarrett Horst, the transfer from Arkansas State, yeah. is uh, he's probably going to play. Those two are probably going to be the tackle spots. And these are, and they're, they're much bigger guys too. Like I know our Curry's a good solid six, six, I think. And, and mm-hmm. Horst is also big. Horst was a Outland trophy uh, nominee or something along those lines. One of the best linemen in the nation. That's so right. He made, yeah. He made the right decision to uh, go to a power five school so he could be uh, seen more. And also the biggest, I think one of the biggest transfers, if not the biggest transfer we landed, Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back. I've read Will's breakdowns about yep. him. Uh, he can really do it all in the backfield. So I think he'll stabilize that running back spot. And there's still talent on the, on the, in the, uh, the running back room with uh, uh, Elijah Collins, who had COVID last year and, put, uh, and struggled with that. So he didn't really get a whole lot of run last year. Jordan Simmons is real fast. The young guy from last year. Uh, I know that there's another guy I can't think of. Oh, shit. Who is it? No, Harold Joyner, the, the Auburn transfer. Yes. He's going to be fun. He's going to be fun. He's like 6'4", but he's like a running back, an H-back type of thing. You can use him all over the field. I think the offense is going to be a lot more um, improved. I think they were not great last year, of course, but I think they showed us something under what they can do I'm hoping uh, Jay Johnson opens up the playbook a little bit more because we didn't, we saw a lot of run, we saw some run run pass last year. Yeah, and I was hoping it would be different, but then we saw run run pass, and I I I just I just I, like hung my head. I think that was more relative to the talent. Yeah, and he knew he had some decent running backs, but you know, obviously, yeah, it 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 was really bad for Elijah, and I, I hope he has a rebound year, but like. What scares me about having four possible starting running backs and you have Connor Hayward kind of mixing his way in there is what – I mean, it's it's kind of like um, Ohio State in 2015. You had Cardale Jones, mm-hmm. you had Braxton Miller, and you had JT Barrett. You know, what what are you going to do? And, of course, they won like 12 games or 11, they won at least 11 games. Like, you know, that wasn't awful, but to Ohio State, 11 and 2 sucks. Um so, like, it kind of makes me wonder if, like, you know, with this whole new landscape in college football or college athletics, you know, the NIL and then the transfer portal, I know you get one go at it. Like, you get one, you know, kind of free pass. I kind of wonder what it's going to be for some of these guys, like like Simmons or um, Collins might transfer. You know, if Joyner and uh, Walker established themselves as A and B or, you know, 1A, 1B. Like I, I wouldn't mind a running attack like um, 2010 where we had Bell, Baker, and Caper, the BBC. Um, I I love that. Like it was a mix. You know, you know, you had uh, Baker with the ultimate with breakaway speed, and Caper kind of was in the middle, and Bell was just your power running back. So 
if they can figure something out there, I don't think that's bad. Like a three-headed monster. But I mean, if you have four, it's like you're going to have guys arguing over touches. You're going to you're going to make people upset. You know, no matter how well you run your locker room, and that's just my one concern. But like, I think, and you kind of said it with with offensive line. I really want to see a nice improvement. Like I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to expect the moon from year zero to year one. Like I don't want them. I'm. I want them to, but I'm not expecting them to go from like bottom of the barrel to like top 10 in the country in efficiency and, you know, yards or yards, you know, offense. But um, I just want to see big improvement there. Cause yeah, like I love coach Kaplovich, but if Jay Johnson doesn't help him with a run with an attack, you know, what can cap do? That yeah. Not a whole lot. Um, That's I do agree. I think I, my projection would be that Kenneth Walker ends up being that bell cow guy. Like he gets the, he gets the, he gets the brunt of the the carries. Mm-hmm. They'll mix in Simmons cause he's a speed back. Uh, he can beat teams, you know, he can beat teams uh, with his legs being fast. Uh, right. And you could probably throw to him out of the backfield. I mean, Walker does everything, you know, he's, he's, he's fast. He's strong. He's shifty. You can throw to him. He can do all that stuff. I think Joyner won't be a traditional running back. He'll do more what Hayward does. Or did last year. I think he'll kind of take over that role because he's more athletic. I think he's faster. He's he's bigger, stronger, faster than Hayward. Um, but yeah, I think that Walker. I think that the running game should be improved. And I I do agree that there there's uh, a lot of running backs, not a whole lot of snaps to go around. So I would expect uh, I kind of would expect Walker to be the starter, and then I think Simmons will shift in a little bit. I'm not sure. I think Collins might end up being the odd man out, but he's still decently talented, I think, because yeah. we saw what he did a couple of years ago and how how good he was in his, I think, redshirt freshman year. But um, he, almost, he almost had a thousand yards, didn't he? Yeah, he was very. Yeah, cool. he ran really like, well. Ninety or something. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, he was only. He wasn't too far off of having a having a thousand yard season. I know. Yeah, and but Walker. No, Walker didn't, but he had 13 touchdowns last year in like seven games, which is really impressive. Uh, so he's going to be that guy. He could maybe end up working his way into the NFL uh, conversation. I think there's a couple guys that could work their way into the NFL conversation. Um, and I know we'll, I think, you know, we'll get to basketball. I think I'll make like one more point on the team. I think that, uh, I think that some of the position battles are going to be fun to watch. Like Russo and Thorne, I think the quarterback battle is obviously going to be the biggest one. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a, I think there's a collective of MSU fans that really want to see Russo. And I think there's some that were really impressed with the spring game that Thorne had. Uh, I'm in that, I think I'm in that category. I'm not going to obviously, you know, powder wine if, if Russo starts, but I'm putting all my eggs in the Peyton Thorne basket because of how well I thought he played. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of Thorne. I think that if he can, if he can prove to be a deep threat with the football, then, uh, I think that he's our starter. I think he's our guy. When he came in last year, the offense looked so much more smooth under him. That first half of that Penn State game was so great. And then they just went away from it. Yeah, it it, it obviously on a much smaller scale, but it reminded me of the 2006 Notre Dame game, the monsoon. Mm-hmm. And in the first half, they used J.U. Kalkrick. Like, he, like Mike Valeni's famous rant, he was a bowling ball. Like, Notre Dame didn't want to, did not want to touch him. They were, mm-hmm. they were terrified to tackle him. And then what, what does John L. Smith do? Uh, man, we need to put Javon in. And Javon was incredible. But, like, why don't, why don't you read the room, man? You probably, you probably keep laying the wood on Notre Dame if you just let J.U. Kalkrick 
run the ball out because there's no way Notre Dame can make that comeback. But um, yeah, that, that, that second half, that Penn State game really confused the hell out of me. Cause I thought that was, I was like, they, they might win this thing. Like that, that's just, you felt that confidence. Like, man, you know, Penn State got it together, but like you felt that you felt for the first time that they would legit win the game. And I know during the Michigan game, I, I kind of had my doubts until honestly, until 27 to 17. Cause like yeah. when they, when they got it to 10 with five minutes left, I'm like, okay, I don't think Michigan's going to do it, but start doing, I start doing this thing when it's like, it seems like it's in, it's in reach. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was like the Vince McMahon gifts when like, when Hayward caught the pass, you know, I kind of had my feet up and then, yeah, yeah. and then when he, yeah. And then when he starts, <laughs> when he spins past that guy, kind of, you do the, Oh, and then I fainted. But um, yeah, I, I would have to go Thorne right now. Um, but I mean, it's not bad because if Thorne struggles, you have Russo in, and the only thing that Russo's done since he's come here is just get more experience on their system and just learn the playbook more. So it can't hurt like to have Russo ride the bench, and not that he, you know, if he doesn't earn it. But I'm leaning Thorne. I think he looked just a touch better in that spring game. But I could see, I could see why people would choose Russo. You know, but the thing about yeah, go ahead. Yeah, the thing about that is like, if Russo doesn't start, that means Thorne took a huge leap and we're in good hands with him. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, he's got he's got a ton of guys to throw to. Reed Naylor, I think Ricky White had his situation with uh, with violation of team rules, but it looks like he's back. Uh, Trey Mosley spent a ton of time uh, injured last year, but mm-hmm. he should be back now too. Good. We have the Louisville transfer receiver. He's six foot four. Uh, Christian Fitzpatrick. Um, I know Malik Carr, the Purdue transfer. He should be fun. The Detroit kid. Yeah. Um, so he's got a ton of weapons. I think that's the strongest point on this Michigan State football team is their receiving core. Yeah, I I want to see how the defense looks. Um, it was the weak spot of the of the team last year, without a doubt. And um, uh, Hazelton. <laughs> I mean, he just literally got a thing of dirt and, you know, they were like turned into a nice sculpture, but um, you know, they, sh- they had their moments like that Northwestern game. They, they schemed really well, Michigan, they schemed perfect. I mean, he, he, he knew what he had in Antoine Simmons and you kind of just roll with that, but I'm curious to see what happens this year with like the secondary. Cause the secondary, you know, Shakur Brown was fine, but like besides him, you know, you didn't, he didn't have much to offer, you know, like Iowa just, you know, tore them apart. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm so psyched for it. You know, I, I got season tickets this year, so like I'm excited, but I got too excited when I ordered them and I realized I ordered like the very back roll of the upper bowl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're in there. I can see it though. I mean, I, I'm tall enough to where I could just stand up the whole time. Yeah, uh, you're in there. <laughs> I'm like, I got the confirmation, like, hmm, row 30 wait, what? <laughs> I looked again. I'm like, oh, crap. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking MSU football. It's, it's ramping up, and I can't wait. I'm I'm so excited to be in that stadium. And, I, you know, you can't fake passion like ours. Like, we're, we're going to be ready, and we're going to – I'm not going to – I don't know if I'm going to tear up, but I'm going to be so excited just to be with our, with our people again. Um, so we can touch on MSU basketball. Uh, not much has gone on, and um, I think it's 
to be honest, I think it's pissing some people off in our fan base and in our uh, correspondence with fellow MSU Twitter personalities, we see kind of a dissent, you know what I mean? Like we see, so it, Izzo is pursuing some people for the 2022 class. It's starting to happen, but I mean, it's, it feels like it's people consider it plan B now because you had Enoch Boyache uh, back out, go to Arizona state. And you had the waffling flake known as, <laughs> we're not, not going to say his name. Uh, you had him back out uh, like what, two, three months. No, it was a long time. I don't know. Real end, uh, like end of April. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the late spring. Um, so that wasn't good. And, you know, people were freaking out, but you know, I, I still think they're going to, they're going to get some guys, you know, there's too many kids out there and, I know you want to touch on the transfer portal and like how that's going then, MSU. So I'll let you, I'll let you go ISO. Yeah. Um, the whole thing about the transfer portal and how it pertains specifically to Michigan state is the fact that Tom Izzo is incredibly reluctant and refuses to use it. Like he doesn't like to use it. I mean, you know, we, we saw him call Tyson Walker. Like we know that we got Tyson Walker because we needed a point guard really bad. And I'm glad we did because I think Walker's going to be really good. And I think he's going to solidify that point guard spot for us that we really needed. But outside of that, you know, Izzo doesn't like the transfer portal. He's publicly, he's, he's explicitly on record as saying he doesn't like it. He thinks that it doesn't breed competition. It, it, it doesn't make people stronger or anything like that. It, it, he's, he calls it the easy way out. Yeah. Um, and you can say, he says, and he said, the thing he says is he says it's going to hurt. He, I was listening to him on a podcast with, uh, I know it was Dockage and, and Seth Greenberg, which isn't great, but Izzo was on it. But Izzo was on it, so I wanted to hear what he had yeah, to say. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 it's really, it's, it's discouraging to hear him say that he's like just openly just doesn't like the portal and doesn't want to use it unless he like absolutely has to, which he did with Tyson Walker. Because right. – as the, the NBA drafts deadline just passed like to, for, for early entries, uh, and there's a lot of talent pulling their names out, but also in the transfer portal because maybe they want to play somewhere else because maybe they didn't get the shot they wanted at another school. One of those guys uh, that I really thought was somebody we should go after is uh, Marcus Bagley, who is Marvin Bagley's brother. He just played at Arizona State, mm-hmm. and he was a borderline first-round pick. So you bring a guy like that to Michigan State, who's one of the, the, the top uh, programs in the nation – you've got yourself probably you could he could be a lottery pick i think yeah um but the fact that Izzo was refusing to use the portal whether the the thing that bothers me about it is whether the fact that he likes it or not it's here like the transfer portal people are going to use it it's going to become a more prominent form of recruiting and uh, and Izzo has to adapt to that i know he doesn't like it and i know he he, he doesn't like the principle of it or anything but you're going to suffer if you don't use it if you, if, and there's not, to me, there's nothing wrong with like believing in your guys who you have. I, you know, I respect that. I, I, I admire it. But if you need to add talent, you have to do it somehow, especially you need immediate talent if you want to compete. Because I think right now, Michigan State is not super deep at their wing spots. You know, Henry's gone. He's going to the NBA. You're probably starting Gabe Brown next year at the three. And behind him is probably Pierre Brooks. You need to find somebody who either is better than Gabe, and I think Bagley would probably slide it and be better than Gabe right now. I, I You know, I, I haven't heard anything that they've called him or anything, and I doubt that they would because I think they believe in Gabe. Like, I think Gabe Brown can have a good season. I think he can have a solid senior season, but I 
just I don't know how confident I am with them. Like what like what's the ceiling of the team with Gabe starting at small four? I don't know. I you know, I I think Walker ends up being that starting guy. Max Christie will probably end up being the guy on the team because oh, he's, yeah, he better be he's that good. Like he's he's very good. I mean I'm excited to watch him. I'm so pumped to see him. Oh yeah, he's got you know, and he's got the mentality too. You listen to his interviews; he he's he's excited to be at MSU. He's 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 dedicated to the program and everything. So he's gonna be a he's gonna be a huge bright spot next year. Um, I think you start. I think you probably end up starting Hauser at the four, and then in some situations, if it doesn't work for him, because um, obviously we saw that he was really underwhelming last year. I think there were points where he was just flat out bad. I mean, I I'm a big I'm a big proprietor in the idea that he was one of the huge reasons we didn't beat UCLA uh, yeah, because of the fact that he was terrible. playing, he was playing. It's just so inexplicable that he was playing the five spot when Bingham was not in foul trouble and playing some of his best basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think that that lost Michigan state a couple games last year. Oh, absolutely. Was the fact that Bingham would be playing hard and he would, he would be firing everybody up on both ends he, he's blocking shots on one end. He's dunking or getting to the free throw line on the other. You know, he's pumping his fists in the air. He's flexing, having a good time. He's getting Ugh. everybody's energy up and his benches him and we don't see him for the rest of the game. And right. I just, it, 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 that never made any sense to me. Yeah. I, I'm trying to block out that season from my head, but you know, there, it was, it felt like Hauser just, I felt like he was a victim of the hype too. Um, yeah, Izzo called him the best passer since Magic Johnson, and anytime you do that, I, I kind of got a feeling in my gut like, oh man, he he shouldn't have said that to the press because now, now the other fan bases are going to roll with it on Twitter and on social media. Um, but like, I can't wait to see Christie the big duh for you know the layman MSU fan. But like, I'm you know we made fun of, <laughs> we made fun of certain. MSU personalities for saying they'd rather have four years of Aikens than one year of he who shall not be named, mm-hmm. but we're probably going to, I mean, at least three years of Aikens, unless Aikens just becomes a superstar, but I'm excited to see Jay Nakins. I I saw that video that uh, old Sheehan retweeted and it kind of got me, got me a little excited. Like, man, he's, he's looking pretty good. I know it's just a freaking practice gym video, but mm-hmm. I mean, after last year, I'm taking anything positive, man. you know, and, and Aaron Henry was like the lone positive of last year, but like, yeah, with point guard, like with Izzo with the point guard, or yeah, let me start over. I'm not editing this, so we're just rolling with it. Um, Izzo with the transfer portal scares me, and I think you, you, you've said everything that it's just so frustrating because Duke was starting to not, not necessarily fade, but they weren't losing they were kind of losing a little bit of their touch and you know all of a sudden coach k is going after one and dones now, there's a dead staff there <laughs> yeah, there's a dead staff dead it's staff like, in, in durham well and then they hired jeff capel who and then all of a sudden let's face it they're dropping bags and getting one and dones i mean i don't care about dropping bags you you do what it takes but you know, they got all those one and dones. They got who was it? Uh it was it was uh Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, um what I think it was at least four guys in one class, and they dominated. They you know, we we were a victim of it too, you know, in yeah. Indy. They won the national title, and Coach K has gotten one and done since. You know, he got um 
oh, that fucking guy, Ver, Vernon Carey. So, yeah, that, that sucks so hard. He got that Vernon Carey. Um, you know, and he, he's – he adapted. You know, and he surrounded himself with people who wanted to adapt. Like, John Shire, the, his successor, is going to be – I'm not, I do not feel comfortable calling him the next coach K. I don't think anyone will be the next coach K. I think anyone who takes over that Duke job is immediately set up to fail yeah. because of the expectations. But um, I think John Shire is going to have, you know, get the Duke program a little more modern because I know that coach K has said that name, image, and likeness would have accelerated his retirement. And it did. I, I think it really was the biggest thing. I think he's new. NIL was going to be approved this year. And he's like, okay, I'll ride out one more year, but you got to find someone else. Um, and the transfer portal, all this shit, you know, with the one-time transfer, like the COVID rules, you know, I don't think that helped him either. And I think Izzo has to adapt or we're in danger because Jawan Howard is building a monster. And I don't think – I'm not trying – I'm sure there's going to be some MSU fans going, Hey, why are you, why are you getting so down? I'm like, I'm not getting down. It kills me to say this. I hate them so much, but you have to acknowledge what is going on an hour down the road. He is, he hasn't really gotten many transfers from the port. You know, he did get, was it Smith and, um, Oh, Shondi, Shondi Brown. Mike Smith, Shondi Brown. Yeah. Shondi Brown. You know, those were yeah. Smith was more of an impact than Brown, but like they were both impactful on his team. But I mean, you got to adapt with the times. And, I, and I'm sure Izzo looked at Coach K retiring and was like, I'm not far behind. Time yeah. is, yeah, time is ticking. And that scares me because, I mean, we, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that day when the day comes. I do not mm-hmm. want to see that day come, but it, it's going to happen. My money is when it, when Steven Izzo leaves school, he's going to quit, but he's not going to leave the program in shambles or anything. We're going to be just fine, but um, he needs to learn how to adapt with this damn transfer portal, or it's going to, it's going to have residual effects, maybe not right away, but like years down the road, kind of like with D'Antonio with that 2016 mm-hmm. class from hell, fantastic class on paper, you know, like fantastic, you know, all these five stars and stuff like, Oh my God, it's here. And then, well, you didn't really do your paperwork. You didn't really do your background checks. And then, you know, that all went to hell and it scared him. So I'm just nervous that, you know, Izzo might get a transfer portal guy or two. And then all of a sudden he's scared. And then he's like, no, I'm not doing it. But like, I look at what Texas did the other day with Mm -hmm. getting Marcus Carr. And then they got, uh, I forget who they got, but they got like some, five-star commit like within 10 15 minutes of each other and that's the future right there like that's the stuff you want to see like chris beard is obviously way younger than Izzo, but he's building he's building another monster i think texas he's is killing gonna, it there texas is going to be fantastic in, in in like one to two years i'm comfortable saying that because texas tech got turned around pretty quickly within i think with year three wait 16 17 yeah, within year three, he got them to a national title game. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm nervous about Izzo, but who knows? You know, he could, he could, he could surprise us with a transfer too. But I don't know, man. It's 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 uh, worrisome. 
Yeah, I think I think Izzo has a good support staff. You know, I yeah. think Stevens and and Fife is gone now, so that you know that was the whole you know Fife was the whole uh, facilitator behind getting uh, Kithier and Moyer there. Now neither of those guys are still here anymore, and that was that was not good. So Fife being gone might be a little bit of a silver lining, but um, right. I think he's got like I think Stevens, yeah. Like I think Stevens will be. What you say? Wait, what? He he's a friend of the pod, but right, yeah, yeah, Fife's hard, yeah, Fife's hard yeah. Hard. I always I always kind of held that against Fife for bringing those guys because I'm sure there were moments where behind closed doors where Tom Izzo was just like, "Come on, man, <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> Come on." Sorry, what oh, were you gonna say though? What were you going on? And he's got a good support staff behind him. Like I think that they'll help him adapt. But I think that I know it, it pains you to say it. It pains me to say it. They are really building something pretty special at Michigan. They are building something that is going to be a force. I mean, the class that that Juwan Howard is recruiting that's coming in this year that he is putting together is 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 dangerous. Yeah. Um. It's a lot of it's a lot of young guys and not a whole lot of leadership. I know they did just get a uh, transfer, mm-hmm. uh, from Coastal Carolina, Devontae Jones. So yeah. Uh, he's going back and getting uh, another lead guard that has experience, which is really smart to do. I'm glad Izzo did it too with Walker. Um, but I, I, I was thinking the same thing you were thinking, equating what we could see with Izzo to that D'Antonio class where he just refused to adapt and just tried to play his game that was outdated and antiquated and wouldn't work. Uh, and then that ended up costing him. And I really hope Izzo doesn't do the same thing. But, Here's the biggest difference between those two, and I know that Mark D'Antonio and Tom Izzo are are very good friends, if not best friends. Mm-hmm. And I am not trying to slander D'Antonio at all because no matter how his career ended at MSU, he has a very special place in all of our hearts. Absolutely, something that is just a fact. Like if you thought he was a bad coach for MSU, then just just go to hell, asshole, bitch. But um, <laughs> he. D'Antonio, You're blocked forever. <laughs> I still wish I was unblocked, but <laughs> if Tony Dabrowski, if you're listening, please follow me back. Um, uh, <laughs> with the problem with is D'Antonio is that he got to tear down what he built. If he left at 2017, I think none of us are really like, oh, what the hell, man? Why'd you do that? We're all like, you redeemed yourself after not three and nine. You're good. Cause I even said, I think I said that to my father-in-law. I'm like, you know, this might be the time to go, but uh, he wanted the, he won the all-time wins record. So you can't blame him, but Izzo, Tom Izzo will not tear down what he built. He will not do that because he inherited a decent program from Judd Heathcote. It was kind of on the lower end. It was, it wasn't what it used to be but he resurrected it into one of the top five, six programs in college hoops. I'm, I'm saying that people might disagree, but he resurrected it and he will not, he will not tear down what he built. So he'll leave before it gets that way by either by his accord or like his staff saying, look, man, this might not be for you anymore because he'll listen to those guys and he'll, he'll it'll be sick to his stomach if he started to just down decline and not take people you know like he he won't do what d'antonio did and i'm not trying to slander coach d but it is just a fact that is just a fact that his tenure ended here very poorly compared to 
what it could have been. And if Izzo does that, I'm going to be absolutely shocked. I would be floored if he did that. Yeah, I don't think he will either. And I think that the one of the biggest differences in that is we saw the change from 2018 to 2019 mm-hmm. uh, when Izzo's game wasn't working uh, with like the one and dones and everything. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, with the with the Syracuse game with Bridges and Jaron Jackson and those guys, uh, Izzo went back to doing what he does. You know, he's he he had his guys like Cassius, guys who play his game. Cassius took over, um, McQuaid. Those guys kind of carried him. It was classic to, Izzo. Uh, it was an it, it was final four. Yeah, Izzo team. Yeah, we saw him. Yeah, we saw him do you know get back to what he does best. And I think that this season was probably pretty telling. It was pretty revealing for him. It's like, okay, I have to do whatever it is better. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm trying to pinpoint like one of the main reasons that they struggled last year. Uh, I think it was just a COVID year, honestly. I mean, I think that team would have been a lot better yeah, if it weren't for COVID and things like that. Nizzo has to you know, know his personnel a little bit better. I think Fife was actually the guy in charge of like lineups and, and things like that and putting guys in, take guys out. So I think that was, something that might improve with, with Fife being out our, our, our good friend. But um, I, the, the thing, another thing about uh, like him not tearing down what he built is that this, I don't think this program will ever valley into what that 2016 team was. Mm-hmm. And then what they were after that save 2017. Yeah. Like I like last year was a first four exit, but I don't, you know, I think we're seeing still a team that competes. Like I think even if, if in Izzo's twilight years, his team will still be a top probably three to five team, in the big 10, there's just a lot of talent in the big 10 mm-hmm. and we might not see him get to another final four. I know Izzo's determined to get a second. And then I think he would go out on that, but there's I really I hope just, he does, man. I, yeah. Oh, man. That's the one title I want more than anything out of my sports teams. I want his second title because it completely vindicates him forever. It, it makes, it gets MSU to another level. It gets them into the true blue blood program. Like you, if we get another title, it's blue blood. There's no question. Out of blue blood shardy. <laughs> I think we're blue blood light. But I think we are. We're close enough. I mean, if you round up, we're a blue blood, but yeah, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get you off that tangent, but I, I think about all the missed opportunities we've seen as MSU fans. Like I was there for the Butler game and mm. that still haunts me. Like they, I feel very confident in saying that even with Ken Lucas being out, they would have kicked the shit out of Duke. That Duke team was, but they got so lucky winning that championship with like um, Zubek, I think was his name. One of the guys and you had John Shire was on the team. Like, I could, I, I really wish Gordon Hayward hit that shot. That would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, like, you know, you could kind of see them maybe never make another Final Four. But, like, it okay. So after eighteen, you know, we're all down. And like, I listened, I started listening to the Only Colors and mm-hmm. Kirby, our good friend John Kirby. He, he and Austin Smith were going, or Kirby was saying, you know, this might be like one of those vintage Izzo teams that like surprises everyone like they start slow but then they just absolutely rock for the rest of the year and I'm like you know I kind of felt that way because I I thought with Cassius like this is something special here like he he's truly I think he's truly incredible and 
you know, you can you could feel. I think the turning point in that year was the mission, the first Michigan game with no Nick Ward. They found it. They found that the backdoor cut with Xavier Tillman was working, and you know, then they didn't lose a game until the one that we won't talk about. But um, you know, I, I could see one more run like that coming, and I just want a year where there's no buzzsaw team. I just. <laughs> I want a year where like either we're the buzzsaw, like say it's year two of Christian Akins and they're like this just dynamic duo with Tyson Walker and Pierre Brooks, you know, as, as the point guards or I know Aiken, Aikens would be point, wouldn't he? He'd be point guard or no. He's a um, I, was, shooting guard. I was, I was talking to our, I was, uh, I was tweeting at uh, our friend uh, DK. Okay. Uh, and he, he was telling me that like he sees Aikens playing more off the ball and have Walker be like the lead guard. And I think okay. that that's interesting because then Aikens can be a guy who can uh, who can play off ball and get his offense that yeah. way because of yeah playing that, as athletic as he is. Um, so I think so, that was yeah. something that was sorely missing last year. So you had Aaron Henry could create his shots, but like he took a lot of tough ones. Like you didn't have anyone who could like truly separate and make their own shot. Like when you really need it to. Now Rocket in that Michigan game did well, but he was he he made some pretty tough shots. You know they weren't easy, but um. I could. I just want one of those years where we're the freaking team with like Shabazz Napier and Ryan Boatwright. You know, you just you want one of those years where it's like we sneak in the Final Four and we have the best point guard combo or like the best uh, shooting combo and we just absolutely slaughter everyone in our way. But um, anyway, we're going off on MSU basketball. I mean, still keep. I still can't wait to watch them. After last year, I think we're all ready for some new for some new blood. Um, Speaking of the MSU basketball, where, do you think Aaron Henry's going to get drafted next week? Will he get drafted? I would put I think, it yes. I, I think, think so. he gets drafted in the first round. I no. don't think I would. Don't th- I don't think I'd bet on it. I think forty. I think early forties. That that seems fair. I've seen him. Yeah, I've seen him late thirties, early forties a lot. I think that wouldn't be too bad. Be kind of cool if the Pistons got him. I know they have a couple of second round picks. But, I think teams, yeah, I think teams need to see like they need to recognize that like they you you, you see what uh you see what Draymond ended up being, and I know that's kind of like a it's kind of like an anomaly, but Draymond was was a great like he was one of the greatest college players. He's an all time MSU national player of the year. He's an all time you know he's an all time Spartan. And then this yeah. past year, yeah, and then this past year with what Xavier Tillman did when he was a early second round pick, he came right in. And he played incredible defense. You know, he's just a smart player. He knows where to be on the court. He makes the right plays. Uh, and teams need to see that this is like what Michigan State, this is what Tom Izzo develops. Right. Like Henry, it, it, Henry, like obviously he's not, he's not somebody who's going to, you know, kill you from behind the three-point line or anything, but he's a good athlete. He's smart. He can facilitate from the wing. He can create his own offense. He's an insane defender. Like this is a this is somebody like this is this is a player that teams should be coveting. I think. Right. He's got the NBA build. He's he's yep. he improved from his sophomore year, and he had a goal to make it to the NBA in his junior year, and he's he's doing it. Like he will get drafted. And I always felt the fan base was a little hard on him, even this past year when he was the lone bright spot outside of rocket Watts early in the year. I mean, Aaron Henry took a little bit to get going, but once he got going, I mean, he put the team on his back. He carried him this, this year. team probably doesn't win 10 games. If that, 
they were on that what they were on that like three game losing streak or something, and then he just turned up and had like thirty points against Nebraska or something. It was like we're not losing this one. What did he say? He said he had some great quote. It was kind of like Kenny. He had great. He had great quotes all year. He had some about don't applaud a fish for swimming. Yeah, some other great stuff. He just said funny stuff, man. Well, and and like you said earlier, I want to touch on before before we go. I, I'm going back to MSU basketball, but before we go mm-hmm. on further on and almost, and wrap this up, oh, yeah. like um. That MSU team, you know, I think it was just basically COVID just totally screwed them. Like when they started to get their run going, you know, winning those games against Illinois and Ohio State and Michigan, you know, in that stretch, that's the team you usually see in like late February or like mid-January, you know, when they start to click. Like that was when I thought, okay, if this were two months earlier, we're probably feeling pretty good. We're probably like, okay, they're going to get a, you know, six, seven seed. And, you know, they snuck, you know, the first four is the NCAA tournament, no matter what people think. It is the NCAA tournament. You do get in. You are credited with an appearance. So, I don't uh, – yeah, Aaron Aaron Henry deserves to – he deserves his flowers, as uh, Titus and uh, Tate say. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I can't wait for the NBA draft. I'm going to watch where Aaron Henry goes because last year was fun watching where uh, Cash and Xavier would go. And um, – that's all I got for the NBA. For the NBA, I know the, I think the draft's Thursday night, next Thursday. Next Thursday, yeah. Twenty ninth, yeah. Um, and let's see. So, do you want to talk about Loki? Sure. Okay. Well, I want your thoughts. Like, what? Tell me what you thought of everything. I know it like just ended, but this was definitely my favorite Marvel show. I mean, I think with with this one, it was more they they really kind of I think focused on storyline um as opposed to like kind of character building stuff like they did kind of with WandaVision a little bit that took us like in a different direction I think with with WandaVision and then they and then they were they were building more on uh, Bucky character and uh um and uh, Sam Wilson in that one yeah like obviously the storyline was pretty fun but like they were definitely trying to they were trying to build up up uh up Sam and I think this one is we knew who Loki was you know he's had his extensive his extensive run in in movies so we really got to see like okay this is the movie that's going to uh that's going to push that's going to push the new the new uh the phase you know generation yeah the new phase of of the mcu and it's going to be yeah. so much fun i thought that finale was just like it just it's i think it, what i went into with the finale was like okay i want to see a bunch of action i want to see i don't know are we are we doing like spoilers or are we Sure. I mean, look, if you're listening to this pod and you haven't seen Loki, sorry, we might talk about a couple other things before we leave, but you could just end it. I'm not going to put spoiler tags or like do the whole to avoid spoilers for Loki. It's on Disney Plus. It's six bucks a month. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Or come on, people, please just watch it. So go ahead. We're, We're in spoiler territory. Yeah. I wanted to see, I wanted to see some action. I wanted to see Kang. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to, yeah. And, and, and when they had, when they, when, uh, cause I had heard they cast Jonathan Majors and then I thought he was awesome in that, sh- you know, in that short little time that he was there, I thought he was awesome. I can't wait to see what they do with him going forward. Oh, it's going to be so much fun and how they, how they broke off all the new timelines and everything, which, which paves the way for like multi, multi-universe, uh, multiverse things going into the next thing of MCU. It's going to be so exciting. So yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Um, my biggest, I liked WandaVision a lot. I did. It was different. Like the first couple episodes, you're like, this this should not work, but it is. 
Yeah. Just because Marvel has that built-in cachet with everybody, and Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany just totally rocked the rocked the audience. Well, fake audience, but you know they, and they got Emmy nominations for it. So like, I thought WandaVision was kind of pivotal to the next phase of MCU because it, it's it's heartbreaking. Like, <laughs> Wanda, it's Wanda's descent into madness. Go ahead. Yeah, and I was just gonna say I think that closes the uh, the chapter of the previous of uh, phase. You know, I think right. that I think Wanda and Vision were the were the last the last phase, and now we're going into a new one. So it was really the it was really the conclusion of not only their story but of all the the previous stories. And I know that like we're going forward with like right a, a new and it's like a new and we're seeing like a new new Sam Wilson as well with with Buffy. Yeah, I mean we're seeing the new Captain America, which is awesome. <laughs> And I, I liked Falcon the Winter Soldier. I think it started really slow. And then once um, U.S. agent killed that guy in uh, broad daylight, I'm like, okay, this show's going right. to And I like the, I like the undertones of like about, you know, racism, systemic racism in America. Like the guy, the black guy was the first Captain America, basically, and no one knew about him. And it, that's just, that's crushing to, to our history. Well, fake history, but nonetheless it's not a good look considering, you know, what's come out in the past. Like Watchmen was about systemic racism to a monster degree. Did you watch Watchmen? I haven't seen Watchmen. Oh man. You gotta watch it. But, um, I'm, that's my, that's my weekly plug to watch that show. Um, but my, I was really nervous going in the finale of Loki because Marvel is not the best with their villains and outside of Thanos and maybe a couple other people, they, nailed it josh brolin was just incredible as thanos Mm -hmm. but marvel has had an issue with payoffs i think and wandavision i thought we were getting this big payoff by seeing quicksilver and it turns out it's just like some um, guy a variant of silver ralph boner (laughs) boner um great joke (laughs) uh and then you know paul i listened to lights camera barstool obviously and uh, they interviewed Paul Bettany and he's like, you know, the, in the finale, there's an actor that I wanted to work with my entire life. It was so great. He just freaking trolled us. And it's, it was him. It was, you know, the white vision. And, and, you know, I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. Like it leaves vision open to come back in the MCU, but that really wasn't what I wanted. And then Falcon, the winter soldier, I think I, I expected at least the most Sam was going to be cap. So that was cool. But I was like, maybe Chris, cause they were hinting like cap's gone. He's not going to help us. Maybe old Chris Evans shows up in that makeup again and is like, yeah, and I'm still not going to help you. <laughs> just says one line and walks out. Yeah. You're on your own, bitch. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, man, I remember the whole week leading up to this finale, you know, we were talking like I'm just I'm talking to like my in-laws who are watching that, too. And I'm like and my brother-in-law is a huge Marvel Comics guy. And I'm like, if we don't get Kang the Conqueror, I'm going to be pissed at the MCU miniseries because there's no big payoff. It's all just exposition. We need something big to set the tone because Feige was saying Loki sets the tone for phase four. And I'm like, it better not be another Loki variant. It better not be. And man, when that door opened and it's Jonathan Majors, I was just like Vince McMahon gif. I just fell over in my chair. (laughs) Yeah. I, I got up and like started celebrating like, Oh my God, it's him. And, um yeah is he who remains i watched it again today he was brilliant he was awesome he 
he chewed up the scenery like he just was so into the moment yeah and you could you could just see the joy in his face for having that part and i what i actually read is that originally jonathan majors was cast just to be he who remains and Mm. they loved him so much on the set and like in the dailies from the from the show they were like give we'll give him the keys to the ferrari you get the mcu so that's really cool that feige and or the hat man and uh and others you know awarded him with that like that was really that was just too good of a job to just say oh you got a little tease of him you don't get him anymore it's like no this dude connect because jonathan major's been so many good things like the last black man in san francisco not many people have seen that but it's a good movie um the five bloods is a great movie um he's really good in that and lovecraft country on hbo is is a phenomenal show he was so good in that and like everything i've seen him in he's he's the best part of the movie or show and yeah when he god it was great it was just so satisfying you know like you're like yes we did it like you're just going like my god jay my god that's that's jonathan major's music my god (laughs) i was so ecstatic and it sets the it it did everything i wanted to because once you see those timelines branching, it's like, there's the way Spider-Man 3 is done. That is oh, how they're getting so all fun. those people back. They set everything up so well, because now you have the explanation for this, and now you have an explanation for Doctor Strange 2 in February, I think, because um, I think there's going to be a timeline where her kids are alive. So... You know, like there, there's just there's all this madness is going to happen, and I don't think we're going to see Kang the Conqueror in Doctor Strange too. But I think we might see Jonathan Majors in some in some form, maybe. We were supposed to see. I think we're supposed to see him in the uh, new Ant Man movie. Yeah, that that's that's he, oh my goodness, that's going to be awesome. Well, because he was cast, and they said John Majors will appear in Ant Man Quantum Ant Man the Wasp Quantum Media. Yeah, they never said Loki, and I'm like, I looked it up. I think last week before the finale, I'm like, okay, he got cast in September. Loki finished in November, so that's plenty of time to sneak him on the set for two for a day or two. And mm-hmm. okay, we're you're gonna do this first, and then you're gonna start to train and get ready for Ant Man three because Ant Man three is filming right now. So, cool. um, yeah, it was just it, it. I'm so happy it set up the the phase four like. Because I was nervous how they're going to explain it with Spider-Man Three, because you have all these other people coming back, and that that movie's going to be batshit crazy. It, I can't wait for that. And then, like, you know, we had Black Widow. Did you see Black Widow? I did. What do you think of it? I was I uh, thought it was better than I expected it was going to be. Like, I think they I think they did really well with it. You know, I I'm one of those people who's like I'm not somebody who needs a solo movie of every single character or whatever because I think it oversaturates sometimes. Mm-hmm. But they did they they did a good job with with uh, with her character and um, yeah and explaining. You know, I I always wondered how she came up came about like her origin story and everything like that. So I think that was a good ex- uh, explanation. Little underwhelmed by the Budapest thing. I kind of wanted to see that in action. With Jeremy Renner. Yeah, but, uh, I was hoping we get a cameo or something. But uh, yeah, no, I thought they did a really good job with it. I mean, I thought it was really well done. Um, I got like there was like some kind of me too undertones of that movie because I, I had kind of thought that process was that like a, was that planned? 
Well, I don't know if it's planned. I mean, that'd be something that maybe Spartan Dog would touch on whenever he decides to come back and, you know, from his, uh, oh, what's the Australia thing they do? Oh, I forget. Walkabout. Um, It's not his walkabout. But um, I don't know if that was on purpose. It might have been because I know when Scarlett Johansson signed on in 09 to do, to be Black Widow, you know, she was first in Iron Man 2, you know, mm-hmm. then they put her in Avengers and all that. They were talking about doing a Black Widow movie around that time frame, but okay. um, Kevin Feige wasn't like the head guy at Marvel. It was some like old Hollywood asshole named Ike Perlmutter, who was just like a sexist pig mm-hmm. and was like, no, women don't deserve to be in the front front lines of the Hollywood movies. You could be on the side like you deserve to be. Like he basically was saying that shit. Like behind the scenes like no you don't deserve your own movie and yeah like i always wondered about that because i never really thought black widow was anything special i'm i'm just honest like you know an avenger she shows up and you have a god with a hammer and can shoot lightning you have a a super soldier with a badass shield you have a billionaire who who has iron suits you have a guy who can shoot a bow and arrow really well and then you have natasha with her guns and it's like this doesn't feel right. Like she deserves to have more. And like, I really like the, you know, she talks about family just as much as Dominic Toretto, but um, (laughs) she, I really liked just how fleshed out they made her quote unquote family. Mm -hmm. Um, Florence Pugh was phenomenal. Yeah. She, um, she brought that up. Like, I think there was a joke in the movie. I don't remember the line, but she brought up the fact that she's that, that, you know, she's like kicking people or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember the line, but it was funny. I don't, it got I, a big I, laugh from the crowd. That was the first movie I'd seen in person since like March of 2020. Really? Yeah. We we've gone a couple times. We what was the last? I don't know what the last one is before. Oh, Fast Nine. Duh. But, um, oh yeah. Family uh, over everything. All right. Yeah, family man. But um, yeah, Black Widow. I just thought it was it was a pleasant surprise. I was I thought it'd be. I didn't think it'd be that great, but then. Like David Harbour and Florence Pugh were the best parts. I love David. Oh, for Harbour. sure. So he was so good. He was so he was funny. So good. I hope we see more of him in in Marvel somehow. But um, I did like the ending because it sets up Florence Pugh to be in the Hawkeye series coming out this fall. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. So she's gonna go after Jeremy Renner's character, which I wonder if because they said that's his last appearance <laughs> as Hawkeye in the MCU. So I wonder if like. It'd be kind of cool if the series end, ended with Florence Pugh killing him and then Haley Steinfeld's character like going on a revenge hunt for her or something. Yeah. She's the next Hawkeye. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, great show. It's great to have the MCU back. You know, it's great to have that felt normal. Like when you went in the theater and you heard the MC, the Marvel theme, you just, you kind of had a smile on your face. You're like, ah, it's good to be back. We're back. Remember Marvel movies? Yeah. <laughs> Remember, oh, what was the last Marvel movie before this? Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, remember Spider Man No Way Home? Um, yeah. I mean, we're getting that's like home. our own, huh? that's like our own member berries. <laughs> I think I'm gonna make some tweets tonight now because of this, but like, you know, we're getting we're getting Shane Chi in like a month and a half. Oh, yeah, that's gonna be cool. I think that's gonna be a sick movie. Um, I'm stoked for Eternals. Oh, Eternals looks interesting. I'm excited for it. It's it's different. It's very different. Now, we've had Guardians of the Galaxy, but that looks way different. Um, and then we have Spider-Man 3, which 
if you might if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you might be getting a trailer tonight during the finals. There is a rumor that a trailer is coming either finals tonight, Tuesday, or game seven. Ooh. Because I I read the Reddits about Marvel rumors all the time, and they're like, Yeah. They were saying um they they withheld footage after Loki ended because then it opens up everything. So yeah. Oh yeah. Hopefully we see that. But um, I think I don't have anything else to add to you. I hope that with Spider-Man and I don't know if we'll see it in the trailer, but I hope it's in the movie because I've heard that Charlie Cox has been cast in it. Yeah. I hope we see it's like he needs a lawyer. My friend, I remember a buddy of mine, he proposed this idea to me after he saw Far From Home. He's like, hey, if, if Spider-Man needs someone to clear his name, Matt Murdock is, is right down the street. Yeah. I, and I would love it. I know people I know, I know, know people would probably want to see him as Daredevil, but I heard that they're not going to use him as Daredevil. They're just going to have this Matt Murdock. But I think Charlie Cox is so awesome. I love Matt Murdock, so I'll be so excited to see him. Did you watch the Daredevil series? Yeah. It was good? Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, I, I might have to watch it then because I didn't. I tried watching Jessica Jones I, and Luke Cage. I could not do it. I, I watched The Punisher. I didn't mind The Punisher, but Daredevil is 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 a step above both of all yeah. those shows. Okay, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, with Spider Man Three, I, I trust the Hat Man to handle it well, but it's gonna make me nervous because there's so much going on. Like you're gonna have. Look, I think we all know Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield are coming back. They've been spotted yep. like doing costume checks. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. Tobey Maguire doesn't really do movies anymore, so it's not. He's he's there, and there's like I think they're doing the Sinister Six, so it's gonna be like the Lizard and Willem Dafoe's back as Green Goblin. Yeah, which I was like so pumped for. I, there's. Yeah, this could be, this honestly could be like a, not just a movie, but this could be an event. Oh yeah, it, I think the first trailer is going to be close to like the views for Endgame and Infinity War. Infinity, the Infinity War trailer dropped was a great time. Yeah, and then the Endgame one was, it wasn't much of a trailer, it was more like a greatest hits highlight reel. (laughs) Yeah. It still got you pumped up for the movie, like you were psyched to go see it. But like, that that's the thing with Spider-Man 3 is like, people are either thinking, we're getting a trailer any minute now, or the film might be delayed, but I don't think they're going to delay it. There's it's Christmas time. And you know, you have this. And the other thing I was going to say before we take off is the MCU branches off in all these different timelines, right? Yep. You can bring the Fox X-Men back if you really want to. And Deadpool's in the MCU now. Dead, yeah. Dead, that video with Korg. Did you watch that? Yeah, that was, that was so really was good. Great. People were like, I think Deadpool's gonna be Spider-Man three. You're like, nope, he's introduced no. a YouTube video. That's so perfect. Um, yeah, Deadpool's here, which I remember people were scared because it's R-rated. And I'm glad Disney's gonna keep the R rating for him. Oh, good. He, he deserves it. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I was gonna say is, you know, there was a post a couple weeks ago about Kevin Feige meeting Hugh Jackman. Mm. Did you see this? I did see that, yeah. Did you say I've heard about this? Um if you have heard about this, uh, folks, uh, so Hugh Jackman's in the Disney Studios. But yeah, Hugh Jackman has a picture with Kevin Feige on Instagram, and the uh, other photo is the Wolverine claws. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything. And after seeing Loki, it makes sense. I will not be surprised if Hugh Jackman comes back as Wolverine in some capacity. Like, 
you can make a timeline where Logan still ends his legacy because that's like the yeah. perfect way to end him. Oh yeah. You can sure. also bring him in from like another timeline. Like, yeah, my last movie was the last stand and that sucked ass. So I'm trying to redeem myself like type of art, but you can bring back any of the Fox X-Men you really want to now. Like right. you can bring, you can bring anybody back. That's the coolest part about this whole new multiverse. It's like, we're going to see some weird shit and I can't wait. Fantastic four. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna be so bummed when it isn't John Krasinski. And I know it's, it's the one. It's the one casting that everybody wants. And what sucks, like John Krasinski being such a tease, he's like, "I would do it." Yeah. And Emily Blunt's like, "No, I hate." <laughs> I'm like, you're either putting up the best front of all time, or you're legit saying, "John, we're not doing these." Because do you know? Did you did you never know that Emily Blunt was supposed to be Black Widow? Oh, really? Well, not no, so I didn't know she was she was one of the finalists mm-hmm. and they were going to give her the part but she was contractually obligated by Fox to do that really shitty Jack Black movie called Gulliver's Travels. Oh, oh yeah. He could not break the contract, so she lost out on Black Widow. Dang. That's Yeah. Mm. Like cuz the rumor mills were all like, yeah, she's going to be cast and all of a sudden it's like, uh no, Scarlett Johansson took it. Emily Blunt can't do it because of a stupid Jack Black movie. But Wow. Either, I mean, part of me is like they're just playing the long game and they have been cast for a long time. Because remember WandaVision, um, she, that one, oh, I forget her name. She was hinting that her one friend was like a new um, astrophysicist or something. Um, uh, Rambo, yeah, Lieutenant Rambo was hinting that one of her friends was an astrophysicist. Right. And we all thought Reed Richards was going to show up. Yep. But no, I... I that movie's i think that's two years away i think it's july 2023 so that's a long ways away but who knows what happens i hope we i hope we get john and emily if they listen if they're listening please please do fantastic four and uh cast kevin james as the thing that would be great i'm just on a kevin james bender let's just i love it let's just get him as as the thing Um, so that's a pretty good pod I think, we're, mm-hmm. I think we're done for the night. You got anything, yeah. you got anything else left to say? Uh, we've got a possible commitment tomorrow from a defensive end, Chase Carter. So we're hoping that we That's right. land him over Iowa. Okay, let, let's hope we beat those those Hawkeyes over him. I really hope we do. I can't stand Iowa. So It seems that way. It kind of looks that way. And, uh, yeah, we will, we're going to sign off for Bacon Wire. Um, I'm going to try to be back once a week, at least, you know, whoever comes on Carter, you're more than welcome to whoever yeah. can, you know, if it's just me rambling for a little bit, I'll do it. But, um, mm-hmm. until then we will talk to you. I'll be back next week. We'll, we'll be back in some form. So, uh, Carter go green, go white.